you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them and turn with me to the book of Philippians. No surprise there, chapter 4. No surprise there, verse 8. No surprise there as we continue on in our series within a series. Think on these things. Thank you, Aaron, the rest of our um, New Life students for leading us before the throne in worship this morning. We have been blessed most, most importantly, God has been glorified. Thank you for that. I want to welcome every single one of you here this morning. I think especially of uh, Mark Lowen, just returned from missions trip to Macedonia. We rejoice in a safe arrival home on Friday evening. Also, um, we welcome Norm Hale from his safe journeys over these past uh, several weeks. We love you. We're praying for you. God has an interesting journey for every single one of us, and we rejoice in his perfect plan. I want to direct our attention first and foremost to verse 8. We're going to read it again in its entirety. Hopefully, we'll commit this to memory after hearing it so many times, but we'll pause on one particular word, an amazing word, this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the word of the Lord. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything that is worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's invite the Lord by bowing our heads together and praying to speak to our hearts this morning. Father, we are amazed at your grace, your mercy in our lives for allowing us to gather in this, in this way this morning to sing and lift up our hands and our, and our voices in response to your to your glory and your grace. Father, we're, we're humbled at you allowing us to come into your presence, to hear of you and to learn of you, to become like you. We thank you, Lord, that we can do that boldly and with confidence in the name and through the full work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we were already reminded this morning, I would just ask that every person that is here, everyone that listens to this message, it, it would be more than, than, than how they feel, but Lord, what is, what is our response to you? What is it, you, Lord, that, that you deserve when we think of offering our, our whole mind, our body, and our soul to you? Father, I just plead with you that you would be heard this morning, that you would be the focus as you speak to us. May open up our ears to hear of you. And Lord, personally, I plead for help and guidance and strength and wisdom and clarity of thought and mind and speech so that everything that is said and done would be for your glory and for your glory alone. We ask this in strong and wonderful and powerful and matchless name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. 
really that one word, just that one word this morning, lovely, and it is a massive word when we kind of step back and think about, and I was wondering, how do I, how do I introduce this idea of what is lovely in this world? Thankfully, the Lord answered my prayer as far as how do I introduce the word lovely to you when at 5.37 on Thursday morning, uh, God blessed our family and I need to introduce to you the definition of that which is lovely this morning in our newest grandchild, our grandson, Levi Albert Boger. That's lovely right there. Got a little, got a little blanket over his head. I'm a grandfather. Like we can just show you pictures like all day long, every day, on that which is lovely. Appreciate prayers continually for Seth and and Emily and now Levi as they seek. And we pray that even as a young one, he would follow after the Lord as he grows, but willing to be a young man of God. There's a long list already that we have considered, whatever is, whatever is true. We talked about the fact it's not your truth, my truth. It's what God has determined what is true. We talked about what is honorable, reminding us that we are to be honorable vessels, set apart or fit for God's use. Like, you don't get to do with what you want with your life. It's supposed to be what God wants for your life. We talked about what is just, that's aligning our thoughts and Adjusting our thinking once again to, to God's standard for our lives. Last week we looked at this idea of what is pure. What, what, is, what is unmixed from impurities and what is holy. And we're to do this by guarding our minds from the many, many, many dangerous kind of ideas and images and influences that exist in our world today. I thought about it. Last week, as we were thinking about that which is pure, it almost, it almost seems like, I don't, I don't want to be negative or critical, but it seems like much in our world today, like much in our world is impure. And so we think about that which is pure. It's like we have just like a little bit. That which is pure in this world, the, the blessing of the relationships that God existed between husband and wife to be enjoyed and celebrated. But in all honesty, if you look around this world, it seems like there's very little that is pure today. But, but to, to, today, this morning, it's totally different. Today, it's almost if we get a chance to step back and we kind of like pan to like a wide angle and we will see many, many things in this world that are lovely for us to think about. Whatever is lovely, it's the Greek word... It's called prosphilos, used one time in all of the New Testament. The only time that this word is used is right here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It means whatever is pleasing, whatever is gracious, whatever is generous, whatever is sweet. So there's so many things in this world. And we know that Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 12, by the mercies, because of the mercies that God has given to us, we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, 
We are, we are to strive to be holy and acceptable, which is our worship of God. We're not to be conformed. The word means not to cling to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That's how we think. So we, in a sense, prove and test what is God's will for us. So we actually have a, 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 a motivation to think, to ponder, think hard about, to contemplate and meditate on certain things. What is lovely? Double fudge, brownie sundae, briars, vanilla bean, ice cream with hot fudge sauce and real whipped cream. None of that fake stuff, but the real whipped cream and a maraschino cherry, two of them on top. It's lovely. And guess what? We are told in God's word, we're actually now just to think about those things. Do you realize that? A fluffy puppy. It's lovely. 467 foot home run. That's lovely stuff. God actually allows us to just step back and say, wow. Look at everything. What comes to your mind? When you think about that which is lovely. There's no doubt I, I love puppies and home runs. But there's something as well that I want to give to you this morning by way of, in all honesty, priority and order of importance. We think first and foremost, what is it that we are to think about, think hard about, meditate, contemplate? Number one, God himself is lovely. God himself is lovely. Uh, James writes like this in James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Everything good that we enjoy, that we celebrate, that we see, that is pleasing and sweet to us and to our eyes and to our minds is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation and shadow due to change. So what I want to encourage you this morning as far as there's like a lot of stuff that's out there. How do we bring a sense of order and structure to this? First and foremost, I want you to think about that which is lovely by thinking first and foremost that God himself is lovely. First John chapter 4, verse 8. First John chapter 4 in verse 16. Twice it says this, God is love. I appreciate the notes in the um, English Standard Version Bible to talk and remind us right, right away that, that, that it says that God is not only love. You see, we, we can think of it like that. And we can't think about the fact that, yes, God is love, but we don't reduce it to God is only love. Nor do we reverse it or invert it, as many people do in our world today, that say love is God. That's not true. God is love. It means that what God continually gives of himself to others, that God actually seeks their benefit, our benefits, and he does this by demonstrating eternal love that existed. 
between the persons of the Trinity before the world was ever, ever created. God's love is the ultimate source for any and all love that we can demonstrate. We just pause on that. Think about who God is. God is lovely. So it's not just this what. There's this idea that oftentimes people think of this, this grandfather that's sitting on a, a holy rocker, sitting on a, a porch in heaven. And so we think about God as, as some distant, uncaring, unknowing, that at some level he kind of, kind of draws onto himself whatever he wants and, and he pushes away. It's not, it's not that view here. We pause on the idea that that which is lovely, first and foremost, God is lovely. We have to, we have to give thought to who that is. God, this is speaking of what? The, the one and only, the holy, completely holy, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God that uniquely exists what is a triune God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who miraculously, what, interceded on our behalf. God the Father allowed his own son Jesus to take the form of man and enter a broken world filled with broken people to rescue us and redeem us from our own sin. To heal us. That's, that's lovely. Pause. And just give thought to God in his love entering this world. To love those who have sinned against him. We have to pause on this one great I am. Jehovah Jireh, God provides for us. Norm Hale can give testimony. What? How God provides Think about Jehovah Shalom, that God is a God of peace. That some of you today live in a world that has been just turned upside down in turmoil and torments. And for some reason, as you've committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a sense of peace that God is real, as Jehovah Shalom offers that. Jehovah Rapha, this is the God who heals us from all brokenness. From all sinfulness. It allows us to be in relationship with him as a holy God because of who he is and what he's done. Through the work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah Nissi, which is this banner declaring to everyone who God is and that I'm a follower of him. We, we know the Old Testament and New Testament are instructed. Why we are repeatedly told what to do as we pause in this idea that God is lovely. And we this morning are told to what? Love the Lord our God. With all of your heart, all of your soul, your mind, and your strength. You, you, you realize that we get to respond to God's loveliness by what? By loving Him and pausing on what He has done for us just for a moment. Literally rocks us to the very core. Fall on our face in worship. And think of God's loveliness. God himself is lovely, number one. Number two, the word of God is lovely. The psalmist says it like this in Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, but his delight, his delight 
is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates. So what does he do? He thinks about this day and night. Again, this is not the, the distant grandfather, okay? Thankfully, God has revealed himself to us. All of his glory, all of his grace, all of his goodness, and the primary means that God speaks to us today, what? Is through his word. Why we give such attention to this book, described as what? Quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. This book, the word of God, that is a, that is a, lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path this word it says that what the flowers fade and wither and the grass dries up and blows away everything in this world apart from the souls of mankind what and it says that this word lives and endures forever Apart from God himself, I don't think there's anything more lovely for us, what, to meditate on day and night, to think hard about. It's useful for us, and oh, how we need, what? There's great profit in this word for doctrine, reproof, correction. We all need it. I need it. And instruction in righteous living. We could just go on and on and on about the Word of God. Just as its physical existence, its presence today, is an absolute miracle compiled over a time span of more than 1,500 years by more than 40 different authors. It has been copied and it has been translated into hundreds of languages for thousands of years, and yet it has been perfectly and precisely preserved as our final authority for life and practice. There had been repeated attempts. Generations. What's trying to silence this book? Trying to squash it and, and, and shut it down, to shut it up, to, to burn it and to ban it. And the word of God remains what? The number one best seller of all times do you realize do you think about the power that exists in the word of god as you quickly breeze by it in the morning on the way to accomplish your very very busy schedules and appointments we have to pause so i ask you this if you were to take all of the time that you were reading in the word of god just this past week how much time would that be? Well, I, I did my five-minute devotional on, I started really good on Monday. Tuesday was really busy. I didn't get to it on Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday were good, but then the, that weekend is crazy. Total, 11 and a half minutes. Probably what, what most people just, as they breeze through, and we are instructed to think hard about, meditate, and the power that exists in this sword of the Spirit, the, the only offensive weapon that we are given to go through what? The daily rigors and battles of a fierce and furious world.
I remember listening to a good friend of mine who is now a colonel in the United States Marine Corps. His name is Brian Salk. He talks about back in 2003 when he was leading a battalion of Marines into Baghdad and he was on the very front. And he talked about the time that he, he and his men entered one of Saddam Hussein's palaces. And, and they, they talked about it. He described in detail about the torture chambers that existed in these palaces. And Brian, as a brother in the Lord, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, with his men, he talked about the fact that although they were, they were just duded up with every single weapon that could possibly, possibly be given to them, he talked about walking into those places and he said you could feel, you could feel the heaviness and the darkness and the presence of evil he talked about. And he says as he went from, from darkness into room after room after room, he, he realized that he found himself not reaching for his weapon. But he said instead, I found my hand on my on my leg, because in my leg pocket was the Word of God. And he said, I walked through there with my hand on the Word of God. Because that's where the power existed. I, I don't think as we breathe through this, I don't think we pause and give enough time to meditating, thinking hard, reading it, rereading it, and rereading it, Committing it to memory. The word of God is most lovely. How much time and investment and attention do you give to this most lovely gift? Third, you know, God himself is lovely. We know the word of God is lovely. Number three, the kingdom of God is lovely. It says what? That we are to seek first the kingdom of God. Would, would a loving God who has instructed us to think about that which is lovely and, and, and tells us to seek first this one thing if, if this one thing is not of absolute value and loveliness? Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 13, what? In the parable that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in a field which a man found and covered it up. And then in his joy, he, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. There's many images and pictures throughout, particularly the New Testament, that describe what the kingdom of God is like a man who sows good seed in his field. The kingdom of God is like a pearl, a valuable pearl of great price. What is this kingdom of God that there's so much talk about? In scripture. And how is this lovely? And how do we wrap our lives? It's meditating on the kingdom of God. It abides in what? A, a universal sense. We know that God's kingdom, what? He reigns and rules over everything and everyone. There's a universal sense of the kingdom of God. We also know, secondly, that there's a redemptive sense to the kingdom of God. That God redeems and rescues mankind by drawing lost souls unto himself through the work of the Holy Spirit and through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's building his kingdom in the hearts and lives of individuals. 
What I think is neat is that it not only speaks about what the beauty and splendor of the established kingdom, the eternal kingdom of God, but also I believe what should be a reflection of the kingdom of God here on this earth. And what is that? That's you. The ecclesia. We, as a local church of Jesus Christ, those who have been called out according for a particular purpose, we, as a local church, should be a reflection of what the kingdom of God looks like. Give, just give thought to that this morning. The local church of Jesus Christ. Bigwoods Bible Church existing in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania this morning. It is no secret, call it what it is, that the church of Jesus Christ today in the minds of many has been simply mocked and ridiculed to meaningless. You guys do what you want to do on Sunday. I've thought about this. What if we no longer existed? What if for some reason the, the local church here at Big Woods just, just no longer existed? Was no longer, would, would, would Lock Haven, would the surrounding communities miss us? Do we have impact and influence speaking into the lives and hearts and minds, families and marriages, businesses of our own community? Would this community look any different if Big Woods did not exist? What I believe we must do is we pause on the loveliness of the kingdom of God and our reflection of that. Is we have to promote and practice that. Do you, do you realize that what we do this morning, it's not about us. We sound like a broken record saying that up here. But it's, it's about God, it's about glorifying God, and we know that we must promote and practice the fact that the church of Jesus Christ, which is centered around what? Here it is again, the word of God, and led by the spirit of God, is the most powerful force for change that exists in the world today. Do you realize that? Like, you're not warming a seat here, people. The local church of Jesus Christ, centered around the word of God, led by the spirit of God, is the most powerful force for change that exists in the world today. Realize that the way that you speak to and interact with one another is a reflection of what other people have by way of an image and understanding of what the kingdom of God is really like. So everything, everything that is said and done but we are demonstrating the fact that we reflect everything that God desires should be seen and heard here through the actions of the local church. We know that God loves unconditionally. Do we as a local church truly love unconditionally? Offering grace and forgiveness and mercy the way that God has offered to us as he draws us unto himself. Are we offering that to one another? Are we ministering what? As a cup of cold water to the thirsty, encouragement, refreshment, nourishment. Is that what we're doing? That's what we're to pause on. Kingdom of God. The local church of God that is a reflection of that is a lovely, lovely thing. 
give time, give consideration. Give your attention, sacrifice for what God is doing. For his glory and the establishing, building of his kingdom. Fourthly, fourthly, what else do we think on? There's, there's a list here, remember, it's not just this tiny, like, you fit it on a pin of that which is pure. We step back, we have this massive panoramic view of everything that is lovely. The fourth, the fourth is those created in the image of God are lovely. I mean, fluffy puppies are wonderful and they are lovely, but they do not surpass people that are created in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God created man in his own image. Now we are called what? We are called, as we think about those that are created in the image of God, that's every single person. That's not like selectively taking, yeah, I love, love you, no, not you, love, I'll take two of you right there, love you. It's not that. It's not that. We are instructed, what? To love our brother, our sister. We are instructed in God's word to love our neighbor. We are instructed in the word of God to love even our enemies. We know that if God is love and we as his followers born what of God, then we also must love. God loves us, so we must love others. Deuteronomy chapter 6, what we know is the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then we move to Mark chapter 15 and what Jesus adds to that. Yes, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And guess what? You get to. You get to love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's a defining demonstration of really what a true follower of Jesus is. Did you realize that? That, that you actually prove and show fruits of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Love, number one, joy, peace, what? A true follower of Jesus, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, alone, that you live, what? For the glory of God alone is certainly filled up in such a point that it just pours, it just pours out into the lives of other people. Can I be honest here for a moment? This, I believe, this area right here is where the church begins to break down. This is where we struggle. As much as it breaks my heart to say that. There's no doubt. There's no doubt, okay? We tolerate one another. We, we, have, we have almost mastered serving one another. We can open the door for one another. We pray when we feel like it and remember for one another. But sadly, there is many that you and I still choose in our sinfulness not to love 
Because what we focus and we think hard about, the fact that what that person did to me one time was wrong. And that's where we meditate and contemplate. You're to love your brothers and sisters. and You're to love, you're not, yeah, but you don't know, pastors, you don't know what they said about me. You, you, you've not felt the, the, the abuse and the attacks and the, the onslaught of assaults. Yeah, you don't know that they, they mocked me and made fun of my family. I just, I just can't. I have heard this quote over and over and over and over again. I just can't forgive them. Oh, dear people. What, what, do you realize what that one thought, what that one statement, what that, do you realize you pause and I just can't forgive them? Do you realize you're alienating yourself from what God has called and defined us to be as followers of Jesus? Pause on this thought. Just as others have sinned against you, you have sinned against the holy God. Like, like who, who put you in the corner market of holiness? Like you're the only one that has not, no, 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 no. Think about this. Just as others have sinned against you, you and me have sinned against a holy God. Yeah, but like, come now, really? I have, I, I, like, there's people, there's people that have done a lot worse. I killed anyone. No, no, Jesus Christ raises the bar. And that's chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. We like that, like, right? If you've done this, then you deserve this. But Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable at such judgment. Which means what? You and I are convicted murderers. And that we deserve the punishment and wrath, the eternal wrath, because I don't think I'm the only one here that's kind of been angry and ticked off at people before. First John chapter 3 says what? Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Do you realize that some people sitting in this room today listening to this message are still holding anger against someone that they simply cannot, cannot, I will not forgive you because of what you have done to me. And you'll be liable standing before a holy God. Thinking what, what? That, that you're the only ones that have ever been sinned against as opposed to placing yourself, what? Of knowing, knowing, thinking hard about that my anger towards a brother, towards a sister is a sin before a holy God. Oh, I, I, I haven't stole another man's wife. I've not slept with anyone that I'm not married to. I've not committed adultery. And that's just crossing the line that we just don't know. What, what does Jesus Christ teach us on this? Men. And women. Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And we just don't like go there. 
don't, like, don't want to go there because that, like, that makes people uncomfortable. No, no, no. We live in a world that there is what? It's just a, a, it's just a sewer, a septic system flowing over us of filth. And we, we look at and, and long for and lust after. And that's sinning against. Sinning against others. Sinning against a holy God. Realize that any and all people are created in God's image. They are to reflect God's glory. And that's what we are to think about. It's, it's what they've done. It's not who they are. You are no more righteous or more holy with the measuring stick aside of your church attendance or your tithing record or your, your baptism certificates and realize that God calls us those people created in the image of God. The worst of the worst of the worst. Those locked up as pedophiles. We say the worst in our society. Those who influence what? Children to strap on a suicide vest and walk into a crowded cafe. The worst of the worst of the worst. We're still called to love them. And we're still called to pray for them. It's what they've done. It's not who they are. Fifth and finally, what else? What else is lovely? The creation of God. Oh, it's lovely. We, we are blessed. Just step out, step out any, any one of our homes and look in any direction and we see God's creation and the beauty that exists around us. Psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Just driving last night and seeing the sun ablaze sat behind the hills. The heaven declares. One cannot spend a minute in creation without seeing God's loveliness, his creative hand on display. Like how does he come up with these colors? I love how Job says in in. In Job chapter 12, it's recorded in Job. And, and God is speaking, he says this, but, but ask the animals. I, I thought about that, like that's a little like weird. But it says this in Job chapter 12, he says, but ask the animals, they'll teach you. I, you know, that's a verse that I probably haven't spent a lot of time on. So like, let me ask you something. It says, Ask the animals, they'll teach you, or the birds in the sky, and they'll tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. Let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all these things does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Watch, watch a bird of prey perched on something that declares God's glory and handiwork. Think about that. Spend time in creation. Psalm chapter 96, verse 11. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth 
rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. It's just what? It's just enjoying God's amazing and matchless display. And do you realize what I love? Is that the loveliness of God does not stop with creation itself, which means it's more than just sunsets. It's more than just the birds and the animals and the landscape and the seas and beaches and cliffs and rocks. It's more than that. Realize that it actually continues on with the created results of those created in the image of the creator. It continues on to what you and I creating the image of God to what we can create. The beauty, the beauty of those gifted to sing. The creator gives those gifts, those gifted to what? To, to, to paint. The beauty of those who are gifted. What? The taste and the food that God has given to us. That for some reason, like some people have the ability to mix those things together. And it's lovely. And then I try it and it's just not. All of those things. All of those things. Music and art. The arrangement of gardens and flowers and foods. Even the beauty of someone who knows how to swing a bat the right way. I, I know it seems like that's lovely. Which means it goes back to where we started this morning. And it finishes, everything finishes, what? With, with the great I am. The beginning and the end. The author and the finisher. In Colossians in chapter 1, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things. Everything. Were created through him and for him. God in his greatness, his grace and his glory allows us to enjoy what he has created for him. What do you think about? Like, like what captures and captivates your hearts and your minds and your soul? May this morning simply be a reminder of all that God has blessed us with. And may you think more and more and more ultimately about And what he has offered to us through his own son. The goodness and the beauty. And the matchless grace. And mercy. That comes to us through the work of Jesus Christ. That's good news. It's good news that God sees us. God knows us. God loves us. So this morning I invite you. Maybe your mind has been going a thousand different directions and you've got problems to solve. And you're the first person in the front of the line that's responsible to take care and correct and to fix. May this morning, may we all be encouraged and reminded. Whatever is lovely, 
think on that. Father, we are amazed at your love for us. We're amazed, Lord, at your patience, offering to us so many things, so many things in this world. But Lord, nothing, nothing is before the fact that you offered yourself. You offered your own son to come and to suffer, to pay the price and feel the full weight of, of wrath that is, that is needed for the payment of sin and to know that Christ suffered on our behalf. That Lord, when we acknowledge Christ as Lord, I think he calls the shots, you're in charge. And Savior, we know that we are sinners in need of being saved. But Lord, that we can just simply bathe and bask in who you are and what you've blessed us with. Thank you for this reminder this morning. Thank you, Lord, for speaking and ministering to my heart over the course of these last several days. And may all of us just pause, meditate on you. The many lovely gifts you've given. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.